0: ION 2020, episode 137. Have 2020 vision with ION 2020, the podcast that brings you all the news and events in the lead up to the next presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up to date as we approach November 2020 with a libertarian perspective of all the candidates and their policies, along with the news. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's clear our vision. Freedom. Yeah. Freedom. Yeah. Right. What's up, everybody? Ray Eaton here, the host that brings you the news, the events the things that are going on in the 2020 election every day, Monday through Friday. I am here. That's right. And this is just another show. This is your Friday episode. So I appreciate you joining me today. This is ION 2020 and it is your source for the news, the events, the things that are going on in the 2020 election. I take a libertarian spin on all these things that are going on so that you can have a clear view of what what a libertarian would think about the 2020 elections. So if you are a Democrat listening, well, you'll have a clear view of how a libertarian thinks about the Democratic candidates and as well as the Republican candidates. And if you're a Republican listening, then you'll get that clear view also. And if you're a libertarian, then, you know, this is part of your uh, daily routine, hopefully, to go ahead and find out what's going on so that you can have conversations with your friends, with your colleagues, with people at work, with people that you go to school with, uh, everybody. So you can basically give them a rundown of these candidates as well. So you'll be more educated than them. Cause most of the time, if you talk to people, they don't know much about all the candidates. Seems like that to me. I mean, you look at some of the polling that goes on among the Democrats. So I I look at the economist poll. I was looking at it last night and the economist poll came out. And if you look at the amount of people that don't know specific candidates so they'll know who Bernie Sanders is but like 20% of people don't even know who Bernie Sanders is then you get a Joe Biden and like you know 11% of people don't know who Joe Biden is you get to Kamala Harris and like 30% of people don't know who Joe Biden is and you look at the Democrats and it's uh you know right that's what their numbers are if you look at the Republicans a lot of times it's the same like they won't know who their candidates are as well so if you call yourself a Democrat, if you call, call yourself a Republican, it does not mean that you know everything about these candidates. But by coming back every day and listening to the show, you're going to know more about these candidates than your friends do. And that's a good thing, because then when you guys are having these conversations, and you can have conversations about different policies, different perspectives that these people have, what you can do is you can come to them with a libertarian perspective and help to change their minds, change their views, uh, get them to see... A counter argument against some of these policies, see why some of these policies that these candidates are preaching are negative for the country, negative for the world, uh, negative for freedom. And if you can do that, then you can start to change, change the minds as well by being educated and informed on the candidates that's how you change minds and i think that's a good thing so what my goal every day is to do is to bring you guys all that information and let you guys know what's going on with the candidates uh go back and listen to some of the shows that i have in the previous six months because i do a lot of shows on their specific policies i do a lot of shows on the candidate themselves I've done it on, on all of the front runners i've done a show at least so and uh, probably the top you know 15 people i've done a show on it but there's also one show before the debates that i did that i actually talk about every single candidate all 23 of them that are in the election so you might want to go back and listen to that show as well then i'll give a rundown on each candidate and their kind of their policy proposals right and then from that point we could start talking about those policy proposals. Go back and listen to some of those shows and see how I address those as well. I am not an expert by any means on libertarianism. I am not the defining voice, like a Tom Woods would be, on these things. I am not the defining voice, like a you know a Ron Paul would be. No one's quoting me on memes or anything like that. Uh, but I do know libertarianism pretty well. I understand the concepts of it, and I can also, and I also, you know, have that that true north when I'm thinking about things, when I'm th- looking at specific articles that I'm reading, when I'm looking at uh, ideas that people have, the proposals that these candidates have. My true north is less government, more freedom, non-aggression. And if I'm looking at a specific issue, if there is an issue with aggression in there, if there's an issue with you know, something that's going to trample on liberty, then I am going to bring that up and I'm going to, you know, I could always use a counter argument that shows a different way or a better way to do that specific thing outside of government because people will work outside of government. They always do. People will gather together and figure out solutions to problems outside of government without the need for some politician to say that they have the answers and the solutions to everything. Uh, But anyway, guys, I appreciate you listening to the show. This is ION 2020, and that's your source for the news and the events for going on for the 2020 election. Um, Go ahead, if you can, subscribe to the show. Subscribe to the show, then you'll be able to hear the show tomorrow. Go back and listen to some of the other shows, like I said. And then if you really like what you hear, I'd love to see a five-star rating and review. Five-star rating is the most important thing, I think, uh, to get this show showing up in other people's feeds because when, when you give a five-star rating and a review, it'll allow Apple and the other podcatchers to look at this show as more legitimate, right? So as soon as you do that, then I, you know, as you get more and more five-star ratings, then you get huge, you, know, you get huge marks within the Apple podcasting world, I guess. And that's helpful. So if you want to see this message go further, go ahead and give me that five-star rating, okay? If you haven't done it yet... Please go ahead and do it, and then you could follow me. Ion twenty or Ion twenty twenty is found at iontheempire.com and then you could also see if you type in Ion the Empire on Facebook, Twitter, and Minds, you'll be able to find me there as well. And if you could email me, Ray at iontheempire.com and if you do that, you could type in you know you could send me a little bit about what you're doing for the libertarian movement. Love to hear those things. Love to talk about those things on the air if you have a podcast if you have a show if you have a radio show if you have anything that you're doing locally in your community for the libertarian movement just like maybe you're part of the libertarian party of your local community you've done some outreach go ahead and let me know about that as well uh, i'd love to talk about that on the show i'll give you the last minute of my show every single time if you do that so i appreciate it but let's go ahead and jump into the show specifically and talk about some of the things that i was uh some of the notes that I jotted down about yesterday's show. Because yesterday I talked about the 1984 book and George Orwell and the quote that he had, who controls the past controls the future, who controls the present controls the past. And what I brought up during that show is that the way that it is today, people are trying to control the news media today because today – is the past of next week right so they're trying to control the past and by doing that if they can control the narrative that happens today then they'll be able to control the past in the future right so a year from now two years from now what happened today if they were able to control the narrative they were able to control the story that happened then they'll be able to control the way that people perceived that whatever happened at the time. And I used the example specifically of like the 2008 crisis where we all know as libertarians, we kind of understand that there was a lot of government involvement. There was a lot of things that happened with the fed, the federal reserve at the time that caused the financial crisis, low interest rates for an extended period of time. Uh, f- the government forcing on loans to these banks, like requesting them and setting quotas for them for specific loans to, Poor families and minority groups and so forth that maybe could not pay back those loans. So they're taking out riskier loans, they're doing zero interest loans, they're doing 120%, you know, 105, 110% of the value of a home loans and so forth, just to get more and more people into homes. And those were things that are forced by the government. Also, the Federal Reserve lowered interest rates and so forth. So it caused this huge bubble in the housing market, which then blew up. But what the media narrative was always on this issue was that it was just greedy bankers, greedy bankers that was that caused it, and so forth. So they were able to control the news story at the time, the present. They were able to control the present narrative, so now they control the past, right? And I, I, I was thinking about that even more so. And even today, even right now as we speak... They're trying to control the past in other ways, right? For example, what George Orwell says is, who controls the present controls the past. So if you have the left-wing liberal people that control the present in the sense of the news media and the news cycle, then they're able to control the way that history was written in the past as well. And you see that all the time. There's all these, this idea that you should rip down the statues of these Confederate soldiers, which I don't... To be honest with you guys, I don't care too much about a Confederate soldier's statue being in some city. It was most likely put on a public property, and who knows if that's even a place for something like that. Anyway, that doesn't... To me, that doesn't matter, right? There is a controversy that goes on with that where they're talking about ripping down these statues... And if it's, on, you know, if it's like the center lane in some small town, you know, let's say Raleigh or, you know, outside of Raleigh, North Carolina or something like that, and they have statues of the different Confederate generals and so forth, and people want to rip those things down, I mean, I could care less whether they're up or not, they're on a public, they're on public property, so the public has some ability to go ahead and you know, have their input on that particular item, right? But what they're trying to do is they're trying to rewrite the history today of those Confederate of of the Confederacy in general and also of the North, right? The different reasons why the Civil War happened and the different reasons why different people fought in the Civil War. Like if you look at the news media today, in the way that they write write in the history books, you would think that everyone in the North was just in an uproar about slavery happening in the south and that it was just a bunch of people that were volunteering to go fight to end slavery which that is not the case most of those people were conscripted in order to be forced to go fight and die in that war same thing on the southern side most of those guys that were fighting they weren't fighting to end slavery or, or sorry fighting to keep slavery most of the soldiers were being conscripted in order to be forced to go fight in this war and most of those people, the, the propaganda that was being used on the southern side was not, hey, let's save slavery. It was, hey, we need to save our, our state, the state's rights issue. Like, that's why we always talk about the state's rights issue is because of that. And the reason why they fought it, the, the propaganda they used in the north was that they were going to save the union. And that people should join the army and join the military to save the union. We need to save this union. That's, that was it. But a lot of those people did not want to go fight in the wars. A lot. It was a very unpopular thing in the north but they weren't talking about ending slavery in the very very beginning it was only like the last you know year of the war where slavery became a guiding issue and a guiding principle in the reason why the north would be able to continue to fight to end slavery but at the time when it first started up and for the first several years it was to save the union but you would think the way that the history is written nowadays the way that you hear about it in school you would think there was just you know there was Everybody in the North was like being heroic and joining the army so they could go end slavery because it was such a bad thing. And obviously, slavery was a terrible thing, but that is not the reason why they were going to fight that war. And you could read it in the history books. You could read it in the um, the writings of some of these people. You know, their 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 journals and their letters back to their family that they were fighting to save the Union. A lot of times is what those people are thinking. And on the Southern side, if you listen, if you read their Journal entries and their letters back home. A lot of their fighting was because they wanted to keep, you know, keep the Southern states free, ha- not have that control from Washington and so forth. And like that, was, like they they hearkened back to the founding of the country. That's how that was the propaganda that was used. If you read the newspapers, it was the same thing. Now the wealthy landowners wanted to preserve slavery big time, and the wealthy people in this in this each of the states. They were trying to preserve that institution. So yeah, the self in some way, the rich people and the, the wealthy people and the leaders, they wanted to preserve slavery. But that is not the way they sold it to the poor guy who was fighting in that war. But he who controls the present controls the past. They try to rewrite history in some way. Same thing with World War I and World War II and Vietnam War. They call all these wars, you know, they call certain wars good wars, like World War II is a good war. But no war is a good war, in my opinion. They try to rewrite history, though. They they talk about the soldiers that fought in World War II as being the most heroic people in the world. And you can't take away from the fact that they went over there and fought, and, you know, fought against Hitler who was doing terrible things, but you cannot say that just because they were there, they were heroic. I mean, those guys were probably terrified to go. They were forced to go most of the time. Most of those people were, were conscripted into the into the army. Talk about Vietnam, same thing. Most of those people that fought in Vietnam, they were not signing up to go end communism in Vietnam. They were being forced to go over there. They are conscripted, and a lot of them died. And that's a terrible thing, but the way that the press does certain things as they're trying to rewrite history they're trying to rewrite history recently with that you know with the flat with the flag with the 13 stars on it right for the original 13 colonies on the backs of the nike shoes and now they're saying oh yeah you know they were slave owners and they were okay with slavery and all that but we cannot look at history from a 21st century perspective at all But that's the way that they're trying to do it today and that's changing the way that people perceive the past so he who who he controls the present controls the past and that's a terrible thing absolutely terrible that they try to do that but it's on us to continue to continue to talk about the truth of these matters on us to become educated on the truth of all these matters so that we can share that and express that to our friends and family and even my kids, for example, I talked to my son about the real reason for the Civil War. And he's taught certain, you know, he's taught that whitewashed version of it that, you know, the North was there to end slavery and the South was there because they wanted to preserve slavery. And there was a whole lot. <laughs> it was not as easy as that. There was a lot of intricacy going on. I mean, the states really did feel like they had the right to do what they wanted to do. They felt like they were independent states at that time and that they were being trampled on by the federal government. The North, even the northern states even felt like they were being trampled on by the federal government pre-Civil War. There was many times when they talked about succession in the north. Many of those states did because they felt like they had the independent right to make their own decisions and self-determination and so forth. So don't let them rewrite the history on us, guys. Don't let them do that. Because they can, they'll, they'll try to control the pa- they'll try to control the past by controlling the narrative today. Okay, moving on. Getting off of that subject, I spent more time than I expected to on there, so I apologize. But let's talk about polling. So in 2016, 2000 that, during that election, all the polls were showing that Donald Trump was going to get his butt handed to him by Hillary Clinton. Right. And they say that the polls are wrong and that they were doing it the wrong way and so forth. Um, And it's true, the polls were completely off. Everyone had it handed to Hillary Clinton. She was going to win by like four or five points, even more than that, and that Donald Trump was going to get his butt handed to him. And all of a sudden, election night, he wins. How did that happen? How did that happen? But the thing is, is that the polling companies today, they're still polling the same exact way as they did back then. They're pulling, they haven't changed any of the way that they're asking the questions. They're not pulling, they're not changing any of the ways that they're getting people to answer the questions. They're still using phones, cell phones a little bit. They're trying to get random samplings if they can. They're using a combination with the internet, but they're not doing it any differently than they were in 2016. There was an article that I read about that. And they would, there was just a critique of it, saying that they need to change the way that they're doing their polling. So a lot of these polls that we talk about, a lot of times when I talk about the the different candidates and where they're running, those polls are going to be very inaccurate. They're going to be four or five points off sometimes. But, I mean, it's very hard to get an accurate sample, they say, nowadays. Whereas before the cell phone in the 1990s, 1980s, early 2000s, I mean cell phones were very popular in the early 2000s but it was like around 1996 1997 when when cell phones really took off. After that it was hard to get a real random sampling. Nowadays you're primarily getting older people. I mean I don't own a uh, I don't own a home phone and it's very hard to get a select a, a selection from cell phones and the reason why is because cell phones are not listed at all whereas Landlines are listed with the name, and you could find out the person's age and everything else if you want to going into it, whereas cell phones you're asking the certain questions but and if you do a poll with three thousand people, a lot of those it's it's very hard to get the right sampling that you need between the amount of money that these people make, their race, their gender their job status, things like that. Those are things that you want to get an accurate sampling of, and it's hard to get that accurate random sampling that they need to have an accurate poll. So that's something that would need to change to get this, but I'm just letting you guys know that so that when you're looking at polls going forward, when Donald Trump is running against these certain people, when Bernie Sanders is losing to Elizabeth Warren and so forth, like you understand that those polls are... Pretty inaccurate a lot of times, and that's gonna make. But it, those, those polls do change people's minds on who they're gonna vote for. For example, if you know in two thousand eight that Ron Paul is running at you know fifteen percent of the vote, but it could be that he's at twenty five percent of the vote for real. But you see, Ron Paul's at fifteen percent and uh, John McCain's at thirty five percent then you're more likely to vote for John McCain because you think that he might be the winner. But when those polls are that inaccurate, uh, I mean, the polls do change people's minds on who they're going to vote for sometimes. It's just the, the way that it, the, the way that it is. So you need to have more accurate polls. But And that's I guess that's the way that these polling agencies are going to market is trying to be as accurate as possible. But still, they haven't changed the way that they're doing it. And that's kind of like the news piece that I wanted to bring you. Today about that the last thing we're going to talk about today is this guys you know I've been talking about Pete Buttigieg being that sleeper and that he is probably going to be the nominee and I just have that feeling um he's moving forward in the I mean he's moving back in the polls right now which blows my mind that he is because but he didn't have as good of a showing at the last debates as Kamala Harrison. that's why she's moving forward but if you look at the numbers that came out the last couple of days, the candidates are releasing their numbers for the second quarter of 2019 and how much money they raised. Pete Buttigieg blew these people out of the water. All of the other campaigns for raising money blew them out of the water. Now, I said this the other day. He has the money of a lot of Clinton donors and the Obama donors behind him. They these people that bundle the money up. What they do is, you ever hear about the like the three thousand or twenty five hundred dollar plate meals that people have? Like they'll have these banquets where it's twenty five hundred dollars, twenty five hundred dollars per plate to get in, and then Pete Buttigieg is going to speak. Well, they'll gather, you know, a thousand people there, at, and they jump have to pay twenty five. So they'll have two hundred fifty thousand dollars donated to the campaign, and they're doing these things all the time, right? Well. That allows you to donate your maximum amount to that particular candidate that you're allowed to donate to one candidate for the year. So let's say I don't I don't remember exactly what the number is, but let's say it's twenty five hundred dollars. So they'll get as many people to bundle. They'll, these people will invite all these people. They have influence in the communities, and that he, Pete Buttigieg has the the Hillary Clinton people behind him, as well as the Barack Obama bundlers behind him. Not all of them, but a lot of them. And he's able to raise a lot of money. He raised $25 million in the second quarter. The next best person behind him was Joe Biden at $21.5 million. So $25 million to $21.5 million. He raised more than uh, Kamala Harris, who got like $12 million. He had Elizabeth Warren, came in third place. I think she had $18 million. And then Bernie Sanders had right around 17 or $18 million as well. So Pete Buttigieg, a, I've said this many times, a mayor from South Bend, Indiana, was able to raise the most money. It just, I'm perplexed. I really am. I'm absolutely perplexed that this guy raises so much money, but he does. And it, I mean, he seems like, I mean, if he's able to raise that much money, he has the special interests behind him, obviously, he has certain people behind him. He's bought and paid for in some way. He's got to be. He's trying to look like the guy that's kind of even keeled. He um, toes the line. He doesn't want Medicare for all to be mandatory. He wants it to be Medicare for all who want it. Things like that. So he's trying to be the rational voice in the in the group. Not quite... In the center and not quite as far left as Bernie Sanders, but kind of like halfway between. He's gonna have an easier time pulling to the right during the when he, when it comes time when it's just you know him versus uh, Donald Trump as well. Whereas the Bernie Sanders will have a very hard time coming coming to the right. But Pete Buttigieg was able to raise the most money, and I'm calling it, guys. I am. I really think that. As long as he has some good showings in some of these debates. The guy has money out the yin-yang right now. And he's able to raise a lot of money. So, I I just think that that's going to help him out. But, I mean, there have been, in the past, there have been some candidates on the Democratic side. In, like, 2000... Who was it? 2000... In the year 2000, there was a candidate... I think it was the... He was the governor of vermont at the time i can't remember who he is but he was able to raise tons of money like the first couple quarters as well and then he kind of fizzled out but he made a huge splash i think he became the director of the or the chairman of the democratic party after that or something like that so there's always those people that raise a ton of money in the beginning but then they lose that support towards the as the primaries go on so we'll see if that happens to but i just don't see it man he's just way too well spoken he's not too far left He's kind of in the center between the Joe Biden and the Bernie Sanders. So we'll see how that helps him out, though, Um, and see if he fizzles out. But I just don't think he will. But, guys, I appreciate you listening to the show. Every day you keep on coming back. The listenership is growing, and I do appreciate that. So keep on coming back for more of the show. Uh, I'll be here all next week as well. Just throwing out five episodes for you. Make sure that I cover all the news and the events for the 2020 election. Uh, But you just keep coming back. And when you come back on Monday, you will have clear vision for 2020.